0: GM, GM, welcome to another episode of Web3 Academy, where together we're exploring which Web3 business models and technologies are going to win. We're here to keep you on the forefront of Web3. I'm Jay Bird, and as always, joined by my co-host, Kyle Reedhead, Kai, who we got on the show today? And this
1: one is one that I was really excited for. We have Avery, who is the president of Vayner3. So has worked under Gary Vaynerchuk for, I think, five years, she said. She's been in the space for a long time in terms of just marketing, right? Marketing mainly with big brands and just understanding how the internet works and how, you know, we interact and how we use the internet. And she's kind of guided brands throughout that, just as, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk has, of course, if anyone here follows him, I've been a big fan of him for a long time. So it only makes sense that they would make their way into Web3. And they've done that they've dove in first. you know, obviously, they created vFriends as sort of their first test project. They're in, in pilot, 3 really. Yeah, they're piloting Web3. And now they're guiding along a bunch of big Fortune 500 brands into Web3 as well and doing it the right way. And you can just tell from this episode that, She gets it like she understands in three, the whole that get what's going on with this space. And uh, and I think they are they're helping a lot of the corporate world understand where the Internet is going as well. And sort of like helping them understand how to navigate this space, too. And she gave some really, really interesting, I guess, case studies with, you know, Budweiser. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was mm-hmm. them who, who got Budweiser to buy beer.eth, the ENS name. That's right. That was yeah. really cool. I was
0: like, no way, that was you. I think it's really interesting to have somebody that is so strategic come on the show. So we've had so many people on the show who are real doers in Web3. They're the ones building the brands, building the communities. But Avery has that extra layer of really experience in that she's been working with Fortune 500 companies for most of her career. So she was doing it in web two when she was helping them launch their social media strategies and helping them understand that space. And now she's doing it in web three. So she has that strategic high level understanding. It's a different perspective. It's an ability to break things down in a simple way so that anybody can understand Okay, why does Web3 really matter if you're a brand, an existing company? What can you use it for? And I love the way she said that it's really about solving business problems. It's not just about going and launching an NFT project. And you have to understand the business problems of your clients. And then, okay, how does Web3 help you? improve and solve those problems
1: yeah i was gonna say i think one of the key takeaways for our listeners as you listen in here is just to notice that she's not all psyched about just the ability to launch a token right and that we can Mm -hmm. have these collections of nfts from what she's talked about with all of her clients they don't even care about the money aspect of this they care that they can create better experiences in different experiences for their fans and their customers and their audience right and then i think The other thing I noticed is she really gets the idea of community first and like building as a community. And she talked Mm -hmm. about that a little bit. I think that's just a key component and something that a lot of us need to wrap our heads around. And I think when you zoom out like that and you kind of understand like this is actually a whole big change in the way that the internet works in the way that we interact with businesses. It's not just about buying an NFT that may or may not go up. Like it has nothing really to do with that at all. That was just kind of the first initial use case. You start to see web three in a different way. And you also start to see that. Brands coming into Web3 is not a bad thing. Some people on crypto Twitter flip out about this, you know? Yeah, maybe some of them did it the wrong way. Although I don't think many of them have done it in that bad of a way. But it's like they're doing this because they want to create better experiences for their customers. And I think that's an amazing mm-hmm. thing. So I think Web3 is empowering a lot of good things. And so she definitely sees that and she's pushing that forward. Why don't you give us a little bit of her background, man? Because she's got a crazy background.
0: Yeah, so Avria Canini is the president of Vayner3. Vayner3 is... Vayner X or previously Vayner Media. So the Vayner X sort of overhead company runs all of Gary V's companies, which I believe there's about forty of them. And Vayner3 is their specific web three play and their web three agency, which Avery is the president of, she spent her career earlier, she was at Target, and then she spent six years at Google. So she's really a digital marketing expert, that's her background, and now leading Vayner3 and bringing so many Fortune 500 companies into the space.
1: Well, anyway, Everyone enjoy this episode. It was an honor to have her on the podcast. Maybe one day we'll get Gary Vee as well, though that doesn't take away anything from Avery. I think she was absolutely incredible and gave us everything we needed and wanted. So let's enjoy this episode, friends. But before we get into it, let's take a second to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they're tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content profile and followers moving along with you lens protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet at web3 academy we believe this is the future of social and that's why we've partnered with lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction visit lens.xyz to learn more today
0: are you building a community around your brand? Well, listen to this. At Web3 Academy, our motto is Community First, Profit Second. Why? Because engaged communities tell you exactly how to improve your product and ultimately drive growth. They act as team members, recruiting new customers and providing crucial feedback. And they become brand superfans, sticking by you through thick and thin. But to engage your community, you must first understand them. That's where Chasm comes in. Chasm is our go-to Web3 tool for managing and understanding our community members. It combines both on-chain and Web2 metrics all in one user-friendly dashboard. With Chasm, you'll know things like which other communities your members are part of and which of your campaigns are truly driving results. That's why at Web3 Academy, We use Chasm to launch campaigns, optimize growth, engage our community members, and automate workflows with this all-in-one tool. If your community is already on chain, get to know them better with Chasm. Head to chasm.xyz using the link in the description and discover why top brands like Immutable, Nifty Labs, and Land are using Chasm. Avery, welcome to the show.
2: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you both for having me.
0: So excited to have you and to Dive into so much today, but let's start off with your Web3 rabbit hole story and maybe leading into the creation of Vayner3.
2: For sure. So I started first being aware of crypto in like 2014, I was living in San Francisco at the time. And my husband is actually a professional investor, not in crypto, in hedge funds. And his friends are always pitching me these like random, like alternative investment ideas. <laughs> and 99% of the time, I never listened to them. But you know, his one friend in particular was really hot on Bitcoin, Litecoin and Ethereum in that like 2014 to 2016 era. So they were like, you need to get on board with this. This is going to be the next thing. This is going to be the next digital currency. And, you know, New Year's trip, I decided to create a Coinbase, got started with it, got a couple of each at the time, which ended up being great. It went really, really up. And then it went like completely yeah. down like to <laughs> I just, I don't know what's happening with Litecoin. Like, is that still a thing? Um, but uh, at the time, it was like, you know, those are the three we were super bullish on. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, I'll get some. Why not? Let me explore it. And, you know, I was following it really closely for like six months. And then it was like, oh, well, this is why I never listened to these guys. And, you know, sort of <laughs> forgot about it. Honestly, didn't open Coinbase for five years or something. I had the app on my phone, but I was very not involved in the crypto scene. And I wasn't keeping close tabs in it at all because my mind it had kind of gone to zero. And that was that. And no big deal. I moved on with my life. Fast forward to pandemic life, when I all of a sudden had a lot of time on my hands. So I was like <laughs> covering every like old stone and thinking through, you know, a bunch of different things. And I was like, I wonder what's going on with that old Coinbase account. And I actually <laughs> it. I'd forgot my password. I had to like auth in through my passport. It was a whole thing. And I was pleasantly surprised when I reopened the app, which was great. <laughs> so the reason that I had sort of like reopened the app is I had just become aware of NFTs. This is like late Mm. 2020, early 2021. And I was like, okay, starting to read a little bit about what was happening with this revolution of NFTs and particularly the concept of digital ownership fascinated me. And my boss, the chairman of VaynerX, Gary Vaynerchuk, was super interested in this stuff and specifically interested in sort of some of the original projects like CryptoPunks. And I kind of got into like a art rabbit hole of digital art collecting, you know, Nifty Gateway, Super Rare, Foundation, you know, discovering cool pieces of art. I was fascinated by art blocks and their minting process. And the more I learned, the more I was like, this is going to be a huge thing for enterprises. And, you know, the blockchain enables this unprecedented transparency that, Can solve a lot of the challenges that we have in our sort of digital ad ecosystem today. You know, my background's in marketing. I've spent the last you know decade plus working mostly on sort of Fortune 500 marketing initiatives, everything from Super Bowl commercials to Snapchat ads. You know, I ran Vader Media in Asia Pacific. Was on our team in New York. And before that, I spent seven years at Google working on a variety of different sort of brand and direct marketing initiatives. Like I know a lot about digital marketing. It's like literally what I've done for my whole career. So I was like, okay, this is like this whole ownership layer of the internet that hasn't existed before. And it Made a lot of sense to me because everything that I read from consumer studies is like our lives are just digital first. I don't know about you all, but I spend six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day in digital devices. And increasingly, people spend their free time in digital worlds as well. Whether that's Roblox, if you're Gen Alpha, or Fortnite, if you're a millennial dude, this is where people are putting their time. <laughs> I really saw these things like coming together, but you know, Gary really took to the NFT market specifically. He started investing in collecting. He's a huge collector of physical items as well, and it just made sense to him this sort of psychology of collecting. He then launched his V friends in May of 2021, and I think that was like a watershed moment for Vayner and for Gary because we always test things with Gary first, right? Whether it's like a new ad format on TikTok or you know a new social media tactic. Gary is like our ultimate experimental guinea pig and just seeing the success and also learning all the lessons that sort of came along with BeFriends really solidified our conviction that this was going to be massive. So you know, a month after that happens, June of 2021, we decide to announce Vayner NFT, which is a consultancy focused on helping enterprises launch their own NFT projects. From there, like within a few months, I was like, NFTs are just the tip of the spear. This is just the beginning of the rabbit hole, and in fact, this rabbit hole is a lot bigger. And it's like actually like this tunnel to the next evolution of the internet. So. You know, in the past two years, we've sort of evolved our positioning to be broader and more expansive and sort of cover how enterprises can understand, navigate web three across a variety of mediums. So that's how I got in, and that's why I, you know, sort of continue to be interested.
1: And so Vayner Three is mainly working with is it fortune 500 brands like large brands I assume and helping them with their sort of web three activations I have two questions the first is kind of what is your elevator pitch I guess to these brands of why they should be thinking about web three and building a strategy but before we do that I'm just curious what it's like to work for work with Gary Vaynerchuk can you give us any sort of behind the scenes interesting information about this yeah
2: absolutely so I've actually been working for Gary for five years I definitely thought this would be a one or two year stint where I'd get to know eight agency life and move back to the corporate side. I you know, didn't really see myself as a person who would be like working at an agency for a long time because I'm like a good corporate citizen. I'm a good, you know, I would say. <laughs> well, I honestly thought it would be here for like a year or two and I'm coming up on five years. And I was actually reflecting on this recently with each year, I feel like more and more bought into our vision and the potential of what we're doing at Vayner. You know, it's very unusual because a lot of our peer set or competitive set, they're all publicly traded companies and we are mm-hmm. not, we're a private company. And I think that allows us this amazing flexibility to take some like bold risks, which in a lot of cases have paid off, cases they haven't but in a lot of cases they have and working for gary is just this world of limitless potential because you know if you have an idea and you have conviction you can go execute it gary will be super supportive he has i think the ceo of 40 companies so he doesn't have a ton of time to be in the weeds he's probably not a micro manager he's more of a macro manager i think if you're the type of person who likes that you know ability to have accountability and ownership it's amazing so obviously a very inspiring person and, you know, just in the day to day, he's such an incredible leader and mentor and person I learned a lot from. So I feel very lucky that I've gotten the chance to work with him so much over the last five years. And even though we're almost 2000 people around the globe, it really is a small business like single founder owned, which is pretty unusual for a company mm-hmm. of our size and, you know, having worked with like really grown up at Vayner with like a bunch of different sort of people. I think we've got this like really amazing dynamic of strong bonds, everyone pointed in the same direction and like this level of trust. that's really unusual for an organization like ours.
0: Yeah. Imagine it being so inspiring to work with somebody who... Not very often is the leader of a company, the CEO, the one that you take risks with, right? Yeah. Usually yeah. that's the spokesperson who has to play nice and only you know, say the right thing. And here's Gary saying that he's gonna draw these V friends and put them out and then sell them, the courage to do that must be so inspiring.
2: It is. And also just this belief that like we can do anything. When I wanted to move to Asia, for personal reasons, Gary completely supported me. I started our business in Singapore and then expanded that to like five other markets. He actually, due to COVID, has not even been able to be visiting any of those offices physically, but he completely backed me up, supported me 100%. When I wanted to move back to the US to start this Web3 thing, he backed me up 100%. And having like an executive sponsor who really has back those ideas, of course, we'll set you straight when you need it, but who like is open to taking those risks is super rare and super inspiring. And it's definitely the reason that I have decided to stay at Vayner for such a long time.
1: I love it. So let's move into the, I guess, elevator pitch to brands. I mean, obviously, they have at least seen you guys kind of write the playbook launching vFriends. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. what's their thoughts on this? At least originally, when you first were talking to them, I'm sure things have changed over the last year or so. But what's kind of your pitch to them on like why these brands should be thinking about a web3 strategy? strategy. And then I guess talk about what's their reception to it all been?
2: Yeah. So I'd say our sort of target market and who we're the best fit for is really enterprises. So it tends to be fortune 500 companies, governments, large associations, things that are operating in a pretty like significant scale. And sometimes it's brand driven, but also sometimes it's corporate driven, if that makes sense. Like from the parent company who wants to understand all this. In 2021, the first time they were hearing about this stuff was through, I think we sort of put our flag in the ground very early and they were like, what is an NFT? And like, why Should I think about this? And like wherever people go, brands follow. It's an attention economy. So, you know, brands need to go to things that people care about. And I think at Vayner, we've paved the way for this like many, many, many times over from, you know, Gary adopting like Google AdWords very early to us helping set up most of our clients, like Facebook and Twitter pages 10 years ago to you know being very early to TikTok and YouTube shorts I think that's probably one of our strengths as being here is we're super agile and super consumer focused so we're like okay great this is you know attention is shifting here let's learn about it and in 2021 I think people were interested in NFTs and they were interested in it as a way to drive relevance and drive sort of consumer talkability a lot of kind of focus on getting in the headlines, but not thinking about this as like this very long-term game. And, you know, it's said on our website since the day we launched that like, we're thinking about this for the long-term. We don't really do sort of project-based work. We tend to work with our partners on, you know, an annual like retainer basis, oftentimes like for many years. So we're not you know, the right fit for a flash in the pan. You want to get a headline and ad age. Sure, that'll come and that's great. But we were always very singularly focused on guiding our clients to think about this as the next evolution of the internet and as a longer path. And, you know, a lot of folks have approached us after seeing our work, which is always flattering and it's always amazing. And... At first, it was about NFTs. Then it was about like what is Web three, and now it's really about like how do I future proof my business for this next iteration of the internet? What does the consumer of you know today and increasingly tomorrow care about? And we always start with like what Web three is. We see it as the next era of connected consumer behavior, and at Vayner, at least we define it more expansively than most, sort of as representing a digital first reality for consumers at the confluence of technology and culture. And we see this as powered by an ethos of co-creation. Web3 is creating an immersive, personalized, and ownable internet. So there's a lot in there, but we see sort of blockchain as a huge driver, but not all of it. We see blockchain, immersive experiences, and advanced computing, all kind of orbiting and intersecting at points, but also sort of growing independently as three major drivers of what the next era of the internet will be. And, you know, I think... Clients come to us now because they're like, what's happening here today and what's going to happen tomorrow and how can we build our business to be ready to embrace that? We're doing a lot of activations even a year ago, and it sort of shifted into being more strategic consultancy, education, Mm -hmm. and strategic work. Less so activations, though that's certainly still a part of it, especially given like the last six months of headlines, which have... know been like the cfo killer for a lot of like more conservative companies and all of our clients like they have a lot to lose like them making Mm -hmm. like million dollars is honestly nothing if you're a $40 billion company. So I think a lot of our clients have taken our guidance around thinking about this as a consumer engagement and insights engine, and less so as a short-term revenue driver. We've seen how that plays out for a lot of other brands and it hasn't always been great. So in 2023, I think people are really looking strategically to understand what's happening here and then design solutions that are, solve their business challenges.
0: So one of the key substrates of web3 is nfts and obviously you guys believe that it was vayner nft in the beginning gary as you mentioned dove into nfts first and we really see that that is a very misunderstood substrate of the web3 space so i'm curious how do you define nfts either to a fortune 500 exec or to your mom. What's your like base level definition?
2: I think NFTs allow ownership on the internet. And, you know, whether or not the term NFT sticks, it might it might not. I think owning a digital asset that's verifiable on the blockchain is going to be like fundamentally huge, especially as digital wallet adoption grows. Right now, it matters to a certain subset of like really dedicated people like the three of us are part of that but that isn't something that has yet really hit like mainstream consciousness i think when that ownership layer hits mainstream consciousness being able to prove that you own certain assets on this immutable ledger is going to be quite transformative. So we're huge believers in this idea of digital asset technology, you know, particularly on sort of EVM compatible ecosystems, but potentially others as well. We believe in a multi-chain future. I think the sort of branding and the wrapping of those, you know, we've been experimenting with new ways to communicate to consumers in a way that can be positive. If you look at what Reddit did, which is the most successful brand program ever, probably the most successful NFT program ever, with over 6 million unique wallets created, what's really interesting is when they did consumer research to understand what Redditors thought about NFTs, they were like, God, no, please, no, these are a scam. But you call them collectible avatars and you give something that Redditors care about, which is the ability to customize their snoo, they love it. So mm-hmm. I think that we're going to increasingly see brands and enterprises developing digital asset or digital collectible or digital ownership products that aren't going to be called NFTs, even though the fundamental technology will be the same as what we've been talking about.
1: It sounds like your thought of Web3 is kind of the next iteration of the internet, right? It's these new sort of immersive experiences that are more than just NFTs, right? That are kind of metaverse worlds and and so many other things. And it's kind of where we're all gonna spend our time it sounds like you're saying, I'm curious, you know, in 2021, most brands were coming to space just launching NFT, right? A collection yeah. of NFTs. And it was like, whatever this really does, we don't really know. But when you talk about or you think about these brands and this kind of like long-term strategy, maybe staying high level here, like, what is that? Can you paint a picture for me? Like, it's not about, hey, we just want to launch this collection and get a group of people in a Discord, I think. I think you guys have something much bigger. And so what is it that you guys are trying to accomplish or these brands are trying to accomplish with Web3, if that's consistent amongst all of them? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I think broadly, our partners are looking to solve business challenges. So how can technology enable them to unlock these business challenges? One thing I you know, constantly need to tell people is it's not our job to evangelize or be Web3 zealots. It's our job to help our partners solve their business challenges through understanding what Web3 technology can unlock. So sometimes that might be like brand awareness. Sometimes that might be engagement. It might be focus groups. It might be community building. It might be future-proofing, but I think it's not like a one-size-fits-all approach. It really depends on the organization, their objectives, and their willingness to commit into this space. And a lot of times people are just like, I want to learn. I want to do an experiment. Okay, cool. Why don't you do a collaboration? Let's find the right partner to collaborate with so you learn, but you're also not kind of making these you know, perceived promises to a different web-free community. we you know start with a business challenge we look at defining that audience are we looking to reach web3 natives Mm -hmm. which i think will be less and less of the target we've seen a lot of brands narrowly focus in on web3 natives as the target if there's a scarce luxury item or something of that nature i think increasingly we'll we'll see brands looking to engage their actual core consumers and their actual target markets which probably makes more sense for them then we design a strategy that like works for them like over whatever that sort of time horizon is by understanding like how we can mesh like what their target consumer is interested in and what the brand stands for and what web3 technology unlocks like that little trifecta I think is where the magic happens.
0: So when you're sitting down with a new brand and trying to wrap their help them wrap their head around web3 is there any particular use cases that you're most bullish on that you find yourself referring to and using as examples?
2: Yes, there are several that I'm super excited about. Let me kind of like break into what those can be. First, I think this idea of building a stronger direct consumer community is really interesting. Mm. I think that the next like unicorn brand, the next Glossier, the next RX bar, the next whatever will actually be built like community up. When you talk to Web3 natives and you talk to just normal people, they are interested in co-creating with the brands and the companies that they care about. So I think leveraging, like whether it's a pass or it's a voting mechanism or something like that, that you're actually soliciting feedback like directly from this group can build this like really strong aligned incentive model. We see this with sort of like web three natives all the time with how bullish they are on the projects that they care about setting as their PFP going out of their way to share it on social. Mm -hmm. Like they're almost like these built in evangelists. I love this for sort of building the next generation, like direct to consumer community. Mm -hmm. And I think that you get this like utility and value for membership, where like the web three tokens are serving as ecosystem incentives. And then you also get this flywheel with feedback and input. So I think that this, you know, combination of deeper insights and data collection married with community-led marketing is gonna be massive. So I bucket that sort of D to C community as a big opportunity. This is a little bit of, the second one I'll say is a little bit of a buzzword in 2023, but I think loyalty and rewards, a lot of people are trying Mm -hmm. to crack that. You know, Starbucks has the most successful digital loyalty app, potentially like for any brand, but certainly within the QSR category. And the fact that they're leaning in here, they're trying to unlock that by creating this incredible reward system. I think we're gonna see a lot of that. I think there can be new ways to earn these positive network effect dynamics could be linked to core rewards or commerce. And then I think it also offers enhanced brand storytelling and sort of like earn potential, which can, can enable some of the stuff we were just talking about, like really using your consumers as like grassroots advocates. And then the third use case I'll talk about is net new business models. I think this is true in the world of NFTs and beyond. If you look at Roblox is something I always point out, mm-hmm. there's a thriving economy based on Roblox. And I know that's not a decentralized platform, but they have a hundred million users and these kids are growing up thinking of digital assets first as having value. That's a pretty significant departure from like how previous generations have grown up, right? You know, Mm -hmm. kids don't want toys for their birthday anymore. They want Robux so they can buy a digital thing. And I think every brand will need to be leveraging this sort of digital first reality to create digital first products. And it makes sense in fashion. And I think we're going to see it in CPG. And I think we're going to see it in financial services and all these other categories, but using web three to sort of create these net new business models is going to be essential for brands who want to be ahead of the curve.
0: I'm curious to chat about the community-led growth, because I think that is something we've talked a lot about. We actually released a podcast about this last week and dove deep into it. But the thing that I'm curious here is, I think what we are seeing the community-led growth side is coming more from the Web3 native brands right now and yep. not so much coming from the enterprise brands or the existing large companies. So do you see large companies eventually doing this? I guess Dot swoosh is an example. They are trying to do this with the virtual co-creation and we're not exactly sure. I think Dot swoosh is like, a lot of speculation about what it's going to be right. and their current program is not even web three. It's more like post on Instagram and get people to yeah. vote and it's web two. I guess that's one example of a large enterprise that is trying to do the community-led co-creation. Are you seeing that? In the enterprise side, or are you more see them the web three native side?
2: I see more of the web three native side as well. It's actually something I pitched to probably all of our clients. I'm like, let's so one thing that's really common in the enterprise world is acquisitions. In especially, mm. let's focus it on CPG. In CPG, there's a lot of innovation acquisitions where, like, you'll, you know, these companies will acquire a startup or a smaller business because they have all these distribution power, but they don't have this innovation. It's easier to innovate at small places. My pitch or what I see is a huge opportunity is for a CPG to actually launch of this sort of community led brand instead of just like waiting for a startup to do it and then acquiring it, which is like what Nike did. You're Mm -hmm. talking about Nike. Nike acquired Artifact in late 2021 and and sort of bought that capability Mm -hmm. for their organization. We're going to see that a lot of times over. We're going to see in the beauty, in the like fashion, the financial services sector, like companies are just going to acquire in. I think the opportunity is actually to create a net new innovation brand because it's so hard to do that with a big brand already, right? Everybody knows it. there's awareness. I think it's easier to be like, okay, great. We're gonna launch this net new brand. That's a new thing in Mm -hmm. a new category that's adjacent, but that isn't like leveraging the core brand that's been developed over centuries because there's also like risk to it. What if it doesn't work? What if it bombs Hmm. and you know, you cannibalize like your golden egg, which doesn't make sense. So I think the opportunity would be for a big corporation to launch a net new brand. That is sort of community first versus trying to retrofit in one of their like existing top performers because I don't think that would really make sense. You know, there's this organization called TYB, founded by Ty Hain, and I love like they're trying to do that. I don't think it's really hit yet, um, Mm -hmm. but. You know, they have this product called Joggy that I think is pretty aligned to what we're talking about. And I think that we'll see some corporations taking the leap to actually develop this in-house versus just like waiting to acquire like the top performers.
1: Avery, is there any, I guess, brands or projects that you've worked with Vayner3 that you can share and just give us a case study on, you know, what you guys have done and maybe it's the ones that maybe you're most proud of or have been the most successful and just kind of walk us through like what you guys have done and what you guys saw from that or maybe if it's not what you have done, what's coming from you guys. We'd just love to hear some more actual cases case studies. Yeah,
2: for sure. I'll maybe mention our first client who we're like very public with. They've been very like down to activate and Hazard Bush has been a Vayner client for 12 years when we were like, hey, here's this NFT thing. They're like, let's do it. You know, they're a really (laughs) innovative company. Everybody loves beer. They're like, you know, have a really creative marketing team. And we went out with them as sort of our first client. We launched in November of 21 with Budweiser Heritage Cans. Well, first they, you know, took our advice Mm -hmm. and got this domain beer.eth, which is kind Mm -hmm. of like an iconic moment. And You know, purchase a Tom Sachs Budweiser rocket set as their profile picture that kind of like signals the world like they were in the scene, you know, from there launched the Budweiser heritage can small collection of just under like, 2,000 1936 pieces, which was great as the sort of keys to the Budverse, we've released this roadmap, which showed all the different things that were happening from physically producing Eat cans to you know doing partnerships with Swain Wade, with Zed Run, with FIFA World Cup. There was so much mm-hmm. that we sort of packed into last year, doing a NFT beer fest at their St. Louis headquarters. I think that's one that has just continued to evolve and just before this, I was on a call with their team. We're talking about we're leveraging AI to do really cool new stuff that sort of intersects Web3. So I love that example because they've remained committed and sort of like flexible through all of the different changes that we've seen in the last 18 months. So that's one I always love to shout out. Other partners that we've done a lot of work with have, you know, we've worked with Diageo, we've done a lot of stuff with their different brands, more in the direction of kind of maximizing some of their... Sponsorships. And also, you know, for anyone who's familiar with the spirits industry, there's a crazy gray market for like high end Mm -hmm. spirits and wine, actually. If you've ever seen the movie Sour Grapes, like that's a real consumer challenge. Like accessing these high end spirits and liquids is really hard. Like you need to know someone and go through a broker, and it's this whole thing. And then is it even real? And or is it Mm -hmm. like, Counterfeited. So we've done a bunch of different stuff with them with limited edition bottles from their Ghost and Rare series with Johnny Walker to this partnership they just did with Vandy the Pink. And we actually have something really cool coming up with Crown Royal for the Super Bowl. Mm. I know you guys are both Canadians. So yeah. kind of tribute to Canadians, this idea of a gratitude chain that I would highly recommend everybody checks out really nice sort of web three initiative that anchors to what the brand stands for is appealing to both web three natives because it's all on chain and also you know normal people who may want to express gratitude for the people in their lives so diazio is one that is also sort of near and dear to our hearts i also throw out pepsico so pepsico has many different brands under their umbrella We've done, you know, a bunch of different stuff from Cheetos to Pepsi Blue to, you know, many of the other sort of brands in there. And then there's a lot kind of coming as they've really invested in building out their own Web3 team, really evangelize this through their organization and and set up the appropriate kind of guardrails to make sure that they are, they're set up for success in this next iteration of the internet. So PepsiCo is another one that we love.
1: Doritos is part of pepsico but doritos is launching something in the metaverse was that with you guys as well i remember just very tangentially
2: that wasn't like really driven by vayner but tangentially yes because we do work with their sort of center of excellence on it you'll see a lot of sort of PepsiCo brands doing things, whether it's, you know, Mountain Dew's done stuff, Gatorade is one they did this really cool player of the year program, and they'll be bringing up some cool stuff in 2023. So that's a good example of like really a huge conglomerate that's finding ways to enable their brands to play in the space Mm. and explore and experiment. And one thing that I think is a big differentiator of PepsiCo is all of these are free. You know, a lot of times I think Web3 natives are concerned about brands trying to extract value from the ecosystem and every single PepsiCo thing that you've seen has been all free, all zero royalty really is a way for like the furthest thing from a money-making venture.
0: It's interesting to hear you dial in on free as an example. My next question was going to be, what are the sort of the playbook items that you've seen be very successful? So when you talked about Crown Royal, there's clearly a focus on you know for good, right? When you talk about Anheuser-Busch, there's clearly a focus on being if it were web three native and the beer.eth, what are those sort of playbook items that you keep seeing working?
2: Playbook items that I see working is designing a program that is like first and foremost beneficial to the core like targeted community. I think web three natives are, it's great to have them part of it, but that is not typically our core like target audience. So being really thoughtful around the target audience and ideally designing it to be attractive for both, but definitely attractive for sort of the brand's target audience. Second, I love open editions. I love free. I love Mm. brands letting the audience sort of decide the quantity. And I think that, you know, when you look at a lot of the brand flops, it's like they didn't sell out. They priced it too high. You know, these kind of things. With an open edition, you let the market set the quantity. And I think that's smart. Time Magazine has done this in several cases. Mm. It kind of makes it fud proof too. You know, cause you know, you're a brand going in. The last thing you want to do is get lambasted for, oh, there's too much supply. There's too much price. You know, we saw how Porsche kind of like righted the ship by closing the mint, letting the sort of market decide the quantity. I think that's super smart. Um, mm-hmm. And I love free as an entry mechanism because it shows you're like giving before you're taking. And then the last thing I'd say is like creating an authentic entry. And this is something that you really need to be strategic about. It's not like you can repeat the same playbook. Like you need to be like, okay, great. What does my brand stand for? and Who is a good collaborator for me? We're actually just talking about, you know, a brand partner of ours who's gonna do something at VCon and creating the right like moment. It really needs to be like a creative hit, right? Like you know, we just talked about Budweiser. So just did a post on Twitter that was like them sort of engaging like Jack Butler's checks. And like he responded and Frank Gods responded. And you need to be like relevant. Finding those like relevant, mm-hmm. authentic community connections, I think is critical. And that I think is one of our superpowers at Vayner's. You know, we put like bare paint together with doodles and did something really cool at South by last year. Like it Mm -hmm. has to be the right fit and it can't just be like anybody. It can't be Crown Royal and doodles. It has to be like, why does this work? And like, why is it special? Like it's a paint company and they have their palette. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be the right sort of alchemy fit. So I think that's another thing that has really separated out brands who found success in this space and brands who've kind of been fumbling. Mm
1: -hmm. I like when you say, about kind of customizing and innovating. It's like, we ask for the playbook and it's like, the playbook is to innovate. Like the playbook is literally to do something new each time. And if you do something new and you try something that's different that hasn't been done before, like that's how you win in the space because the space is still so new. So it's like, we have to be experimenting. Otherwise, what are you really doing,
2: right? Yeah, and it's actually a very common question. People are like, okay, great. Like I'm sure you guys just rinse and repeat this tech stack. And actually we Mm. don't very intentionally don't even have a, you know, a Vayner tech stack that we sell to clients because i fundamentally believe our value is in being unbiased consultants like we've been approached by plenty of marketplaces and tech vendors who are like, let's do a rev share deal. I'm like, that's not how we work because we always want to do what's best for our clients solving their business challenges. And I think that's really helped us like test a bunch of different stuff and also be thoughtful around what's going to work for each specific activation and not like what's the common denominator.
0: Okay, well we could keep chatting, but I know that we've got to wrap up the show because you've got another meeting, Avery, and we greatly appreciate the time. But I want to give you a chance to give a shill. And actually before I give you a chance to give a shill, I want to show you guys quickly because vayner3 has some of the best case studies and reports in the space you guys produced an amazing web3 report back in november we actually did a full podcast where we broke it down so thank you for doing that it's awesome you guys can go read the report and the podcast that we did in the show notes anything else that you want to share about vayner3 or where people can find you as well online
2: Absolutely. Let's show vayner3.com slash learn. It is something we spend a lot of time thinking about. Shout out to my strategy team and Chris LaQuinn, who leads that for developing those materials. And I'll also show us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We are trying to be a force for good in this space and educate, you know, broader enterprises on all of the opportunities that Web3 offers us you want to follow me, I'm at Avery Acconini at LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. And thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate your podcast and I've loved getting to hang out a little bit.
0: We really appreciate you showing up. We got one final question before you jump off Avery. If you had a billboard that 1 billion people were going to see what would you write on it?
2: VFriends.com. Oh, I love
0: it. Marketer <laughs> at heart. Marketer yeah, at heart. response. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know, I think I would do that because Vayner3 is really like a B2B organization. Mm-hmm. And even when we throw like parties and stuff, sometimes we don't brand it as, brand it as Vayner3 because we're really for C-suite, Fortune 500 types, like not for like average lay people, but vFriends is for everyone. And I encourage everyone who's listening to this to join the vFriends community on Discord if you haven't, because I think that's a really fun, awesome community that has been such an insights engine for us as we see like what works in the space.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Avery. Really appreciate your time.
2: Take care, bye guys.
0: Thank you for listening
1: to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice